I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. My buddy Jimmy McBride up at the Great Boston Globe. Always good to have him on the bench. Merry Christmas, brother. Merry Christmas, Scott. How are you? I always enjoy having you on, brother. You doing good? I'm doing great. Thanks. I right, listen, uh, tell me the story about, because I really don't give a rat's ass up till now. Uh, at this point, I care. Up until now, I've had not a care in the world. I, I really, when I saw that everyone's accusing the Patriots of cheating, I'm yawning because I, uh, you know, I bet on him against the Chiefs, and I had a huge day. I hit uh, 72% of my NFL bets uh, for the seventh time out of 14 weeks, so I had a huge day. The only teams that I got burned on were the Pats, the Bills five and a half, and, um, you know, uh, I guess the Jags. And remember, Mafia, I had flipped that game because I, whenever I flip, I get burned, but I had the Chargers originally laying one and a half. So my thing was I was disappointed at how poorly they looked offensively. We'll get into that in a minute, but tell me about what's happening with them being accused of cheating. Yeah, so this is uh, this is really a non-story as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't think that, uh, you know, I think what Coach Belichick has said the last few days and really what, what most of the people that, that read into this know that this wasn't a, you know, an act of espionage or, or the Patriots trying to gain an advantage on the, on the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, this was just the, you know, the, the, the non-football operations people doing uh, this series called Do Your Job, uh, where, you know, if you go on Patriots.com, you can see background uh, stories about the equipment manager, about the training staff, and um, about the uh, medical staff. Uh, about the video team, and this was the latest installment of that was the scouts. Uh, so, you know, they, they sent a crew from Craft Productions to do it. It wasn't a football operations crew because those guys all know that you can't take the sideline from the press box. They know the rules. And, you know, if they if they were negligent anywhere, it was not letting the Bengals know. They knew the Browns know. And it was also not letting the, you know, the, the videographers know that, you know, what was verboten and what wasn't. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that this really was an innocent mistake. But, you know, I understand the heightened sensitivity because, you know, the Patriots involved and, and there was the Spygate scandal a dozen years ago. But uh, really a non-story, but it's going to have legs because, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that don't like the Patriots. Well, now that it does have a legs, it's, it certainly has a stench about it. What is their reaction? Uh, I know that uh, Belichick never says anything, but you know more than uh, everybody else in Boston. So what's the reality of it? Yeah, the reality of it is, 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 is exactly what he said. I mean, the, the fact that the Patriots came out with a statement Monday night, uh, you know, admitting that, that what they did was wrong. Um, and, and earlier in the afternoon when, when Coach was on his one of his radio shows, uh, he kind of explained that, look, it had nothing to do with the football operations. And then the, you know, the, the PR staff came out and said, look, you know, this is what happened. We know what we did was wrong. We turned the, the film over. Uh, and they don't think there's going to be anything on there that shows uh, a competitive advantage. And, uh, you know, I know there was a report today that there was eight minutes of video of, of the Bengal sideline. But, you know, it was just, again, it was just a feature on a scout. And I know there was a lot of other conspiracy theorists that said, well, why, why were they at the game that, 
you know, against the team they're playing next. Well, that's where they send the advanced scout to the, to the to, you know, to scout the team they're going to play next. So that's why it was the Bengals. And, and again, that's another element to why it, it makes it a big story because those two teams are playing this week. Well, uh, now let's uh, – Jim McBride with us at the Boston Globe. Let's talk about their uh, situation offensively. Uh, the Chiefs figured out how to basically double Edelman, and it caused a ripple effect on their offense for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's two weeks in a row now that the, you know, the, 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 the guys that are trying to make – trying to get chemistry with Tom since the, really since the summer – uh, haven't been able to do it. You know, J- uh, Jacoby Myers uh, dropped like three passes in that game, and he had so- shown so much promise. And, you know, because of the uh, Nikhil's performance, Nikhil Harry's performance a week before in Houston, uh, I think they were neglecting, you know, they were kind of, you know, I guess kind of gun-shy about using him that often. So, um, you know, the receiving core for the Patriots all year, it's been a uh, it's been a revolving door, even going back to training camp when Demarius Thomas was there and, then Jeff Gordon, uh, Josh Gordon was there for a little while. Antonio Brown was there for a little while. So they really haven't been able to settle on anyone. And then they thought maybe they had solved the problems with Muhammad Sanu, but he got injured shortly afterwards. And he's not, you know, still fully up to speed with the playbook and healthy. So um, that's all those things. Plus the, the, you know, the inconsistency with the offensive line have led to, you know, uh, what we haven't, I'm not used to seeing up here in Boston. And that's Tom Brady, the offense struggling, you know, the, the storyline since really, uh, those early Patriot teams, uh, when the when the defenses were dominant, was Tom Brady uh, is going to carry this team, and, and the defense will do just enough to win. And now it's really the af- exact opposite. It's the, it's the defense that's shining, and you know for the most part the offense has been doing uh, just enough to win. But you know certainly have been exposed against some really good teams in three out of the last four games against the the Ravens, Texans, and Chiefs. Uh, Jim McBride, Boston Globe, with us on the bench. So. Uh... Uh, I'm not worried about really the Bengals game for them, to be honest with you. I think they'll kick their ass. But what I am worried about is if I'm you, if I'm a, a you know media or a fan in Boston, is that um, there are teams in the AFC now that can beat the Patriots, that, that can flat out beat them. And if they uh, don't watch themselves, I think their season's going to end. That They do not look, to me, right now, like a team that's going to go to the Super Bowl. Do you honestly believe that they're going to go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, it doesn't look good right now. I, 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 I would pick the Ravens right now. I mean, they are the number one seed in the East, and, you know, they beat the Patriots pretty handily, and, and they're on a run. But, you know, like you said, teams, they're, they're beatable. They, they've lost to the division leaders in, in, in the AFC, all right. three of them. Um, you know, maybe if there's a silver lining to Patriots fans, it's the fact that they, they've played these three teams that they might have to see again in the playoffs, and, you know, you get a second. You know, Bill gets a second crack at the team, and he usually does pretty well. You know, even back to the first Super Bowl victory back in 2001, they they lost a hard-fought game to the Rams earlier in that season, but they never lost again, uh, including when beating the the Rams in the uh, in the Super Bowl. So, I guess that's kind of a silver lining. But you know, as it's presently constituted, I don't think they have the weapons on offense to compete with some of these other teams in the AFC. So. Um... When you watch him uh, play Brady, uh, and there was like a little window there where he was not really playing that well, and then he wasn't, uh, you know, talking to the media. And I said on the show that I felt that at some point this guy, he's so, you know, meticulous and so uh, such a perfectionist, if you will, and such a guy that believes in all this TB12 stuff and the way he lives and eats and drinks and everything that he does to take care of himself, that, that I don't ever believe I could see him 
tolerating not being good. So if he sees a slippage in his performance that he would stop playing in the NFL, he'd rather go out as the greatest ever than to have a bad year or two at 43 or 44 years old. Uh, do you believe – Because, but then I think he's turned it around. I don't think he's been bad lately at all. I think that uh, teams are catching up to them as a team, but I still think he's got it. Where do you think he is mentally about the future? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on both points earlier. I, I think you're right that, that I don't think if he, if he sensed the slippage in play in his own play, I don't think he would want to hang around for, for extra season. So I think you're right there. But I also think you're right in that he hasn't slipped. It's kind of been the cast of characters around him, really only having that one reliable uh, receiver in Edelman, uh, albeit he's a, he's a great one to have. But when you only have one, it's pretty tough to win in this league. So, um, you know, I, I think both points are, are right on, on target. And I think that, you know, when he, when he says that the, at, at, at the end of the year and, and even training camp, he takes it year by year, you know, people used to take that with a grain of salt and, and take it as kind of a cliche. But I think with him now, at this point in his career, he's in uncharted territories, 20 years at the same team, 20 years in this league for a quarterback. I think he really does assess it at the end of the year and say, hey, look, is it worth going back? Um, you know, and, and if they don't, you know, get him some more weapons, whether it's through trades or free agency or the draft, I could see him saying, you know, maybe my, my time is up. But um, he's, he's got such a competitive fire, you know, and people were, were criticizing him, especially after that Houston game for uh, his body language on the sideline and kind of ripping into teammates. But, you know, that's the same person right. who's so highly competitive. I mean, that's what makes Tom Brady Tom Brady is, is wearing those emotions on his sleeve. So right. I don't think you can credit him with being the most intense player in the world and then criticizing him for showing that intensity. Exactly. I, I would expect nothing less of him than to light people up that aren't doing their job right ever on any Sunday or Sunday night or Monday or Thursday. That guy's intense and always has been. If you can't take it, Get out. Leave. Yeah, if you can't handle it, get out. Let me ask you a question because I'm not done with you. Honestly, it's Christmas. You have to do more with me because I want to talk about the Celtics, Bruins, and the Red Sox. So it looks like we're double dipping. Go get a glass of beer, and then I'm going to come back and do another segment with you whether you like it or not. Sounds good to me. All right, Jim McBride of the Boston Globe coming up more. Uh, we'll talk about all the other teams up there. Jim McBride's with the Boston Globe, one of our favorites all the time on the bench. He joins us from up in uh, Beantown. Hey, uh, Jim, let's take a second and um, talk about the uh, Red Sox uh, first because it's the winter meetings, very exciting. And uh, what, But really what I care about is, um, is any of this, like, so you got Heim Bloom now, a whiz kid, instead of Dombrowski, but then the rumors that we're hearing about left and right around here are that, uh, you know, they're they're willing to trade Betts, Price, Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, Christ, who aren't they going to trade? Yeah, I've, I've heard the the, uh, the Jackie Bradley Jr. And, and the Price stuff, but I, I, I think that they're kind of lukewarm on trading Mookie, and I don't know why, because this is probably the time where they're going to get the most for him. Um, you know, if they wait till late in the season at the trade deadline, they're going to get pennies on the dollar, and you know, it just doesn't seem like they're willing to, to, to sign this guy long-term. And if they're not going to, they're better off trading him now when they could get something of value but rather than, you know, have half a season of him. Do you believe that, um, you know, the Yankees are sitting here willing to give uh, Garrett Cole the Federal Reserve? And, uh, you know, they've already got a, a team that, you know, went out again and won over 100 games. They're, they're very stacked and fiscally. 
it seems as though am I am I crazy that the uh, Red Sox have gone? I mean, basically Walmart on everyone. Yeah, no, you're not crazy. That's true. It's it's so much more fun when uh, you know when they're when these these teams are competing against each other, not on, not only on the field but in the off season for the same players. Um, you know why the the Red Sox are, are doing this now? You know I don't know. Everything seems to be like for the future and cost effective and getting under the you know the luxury tax, which I don't really understand why they need to get under the luxury tax where they're you know they sell out that park you know all the time. Um, so I, I don't understand the, the front office logic that's going on right now. So let's uh, shift gears and talk about the uh, bu- uh, you know the Celtics against like the Bucks and and these other great teams that you know really they're going to have to deal with the Heat, the Sixers, the Raptors, uh, and the Pacers. Frankly, people can say whatever they want, but they're pretty tough. And I know that I think they're playing the Pacers tomorrow night in Indy. And uh, I got to tell you, I've watched them play a, a lot. And I mean, I mean, like every game. So, uh, and I just think it's unbelievable to me. You know, the guy because Tatum's all, always kind of been good for me. I think he's just a really good player, and he's really come into his own. But the guy that's taken his game to a whole nother level this year again with speed and just burst ability and getting to the ten and making big buckets and in in droves buckets in droves. Like he'll take over a game in the third or fourth quarter. Is Brown. Yeah, he's you know, and it's it's funny. It's kind of it's going to be funny to see how how with, with Gordon Haywood came back the other night. Uh, they they virtually played the same position, so it's going to be funny to see how those minutes get divided now. Because, like you said, Jalen, uh, while Haywood was out, Jalen was on fire and has been spectacular. And you know, I don't think anyone up here that watches the Celtics want to see that you know see that change anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see how Brad Stevens you know manipulates those minutes, but. I'll tell you another guy that, that, that has really impressed me this year for the Celtics that's kind of under the radar is Robert Williams, the big power forward right. uh, that they drafted two years ago. Uh, he's, a, he's a lot more athletic, and a, he seems to be a lot more um, involved and motivated this year uh, than he was last year. I know he was, he was hurt and you know, he had some injuries here and there, but you know, he gives them a real strong presence underneath when he's, on, you know, when he's going. And I think if you keep his minim- minutes you know, reasonable – uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's it's not unreasonable to think that he's going to be a major contributor all season long. I think Smart's a great defender, and he's the heart and soul of that team. Do the fans? Yeah, he's the longest tenured guy on this team, right? Or not, and he really is the the he's he's the the engine for this team. And he's actually, you know, when you remember when he was in college, he was a real meltdown hothead, and he had he had issues. And when he came into the league, he had some issues, but. He's really grown up a lot. Like one night, do you remember the night when the fan, uh, he got into it with a fan, and then after the game, he's just like, you know, I thought the way he handled it after the game, he's like, listen, I mean, they pay us to play basketball, and I know these fans want to come out here and watch us play and everything, but, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, you, you start up with me or you kick me when he's on the sideline or whatever the hell it was. Someone put their hands on him or something, and he was just like, I'm, you know, listen, I understand why you're here and everything like that, but I just want you to know that, like, if this were out on the street, this would be handled very differently. Now, the same kid would have, he would have said, I believe, five years ago, he would have said, on the street, I would have knocked your Pharrellin teeth out, and I would have shanked you with a, with a blade, and I would have cut your neck dead. And I think now he's just like, listen, this would be handled very differently outside. I just want you to know. Uh, and I think the league needs to take a look at these fans sitting front row, putting their hands on these million-dollar players. That we're out here trying to uh, get paid to play basketball. We are not out here to have people touch us. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, 
Stevens has put him in a, a leadership position on this team, and he's really embraced it. And, and the team kind of identifies with him. And, uh, you know, they love his, they love his attitude. His, you, know, you know, he's sprawling across the floor like for loose balls the way we haven't seen up here since Larry Bird was here. Larry Bird's the greatest player that ever lived. I just wanted to say that, as you know, I am, uh, I've never been a Celtic fan. Agreed. But he's the greatest player that I ever saw play basketball. And I got to tell you, the greatest big man, uh, you know, power forward that I've seen, like I've seen a million of them. Now, people are going to say I'm crazy. But one guy that was completely, absolutely unstoppable with his pivot foot and, and pump fakes, the best ever at pump fakes and pivot foot moves was Kevin McHale. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable uh, low post moves. Right. And, you know, with Bird passing the ball, probably the best big man passer of all times. So, uh, you know, maybe Walton in there too. But, right. uh, yeah, they were unstoppable because he could find McHale in the post. And he was – you could not defend him. You just couldn't. His arms were too long. And once he got that up and under, see you later. Right. All right. So, let me ask you about uh, the Bruins. They continue – to be one of the toughest teams in the NHL, without a doubt. Are you surprised that after they went to the Cup Finals and lost, that they didn't have like some kind of strung-out hangover? Because when you play into mid-June, uh, coming back in October and you know camp in September to play 82 more, uh, a lot of guys bail on that plan the year after the Cup Finals, like Nashville, San Jose. They all piked and just went fishing. They literally just were like, screw this. I'm making $9 million a year. I am going to drink beer, and I'm going to get some leg. I don't care about anything else. Let's go to dinner. But the Bruins go out and play hard every night. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's a great testament to the leadership on that team, too, as well, with Bergeron and Chara. And, you know, they talked about it a lot. Uh, you know, they got together a lot as a team um, during the summer and talked about getting over this, uh, getting over that Game 7 loss and putting that behind them. And, and they came out of the gate storming. You know, they have a lot of the same guys that were there last year. And uh, they just really picked up where they left off. You know, it's, um, like you say, that hangover can be there. And it's a, it's a real thing. But I think in, and they, they realized that in the, in, in the back of their heads. And they said, hey, we're not going to let that happen to us. And, you know, they've made it a, uh, a point to, to stick together and, and you know, they, they take their cues from Bergeron and Chower. And, you know, those are two of the best leaders in the league. You know, Papa Bear Chower and, and, and Bergeron just, you know, he's, he's just probably the greatest two-way player we have in the game. How do you feel about the fact that, uh, well, I mean, they're in first in the Atlantic, obviously killing it by 10 points and have one of the best teams in the league. I think they're maybe third in, in points something like that in the whole league. That's crazy. But how do you feel about the fact that I've been on, let's see, I was on the hub. Now I'm on EEI. Do you think that I'm more popular now than, you know, I, you know, the governor, the, you know, chief of police, uh, the, you know, the, frankly, the Red Sox would, they don't spend any money anymore. Uh, you know, am I basically on par with the uh, Celtics Bruins and, and Patriots? Am I getting close to being on par in concert in popularity and concert with those three franchises? Absolutely no worse than sports, Scotty. No worse. It's, it's probably Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, Pharrell, everyone else is in the room. I like that. I'm on the rise. Uh, listen, Jim, have a fantastic uh, Christmas and happiest of New Year's to you and your family. You know how much I respect you and love you. You're uh, just absolutely kick-ass on my show all these years. Have a wonderful holiday with your family and a safe one and a healthy one and a prosperous 2020. Huge fan of yours. Keep doing your thing, and we'll always have you on the bench, my friend. God bless. Be cool. Thanks, Scotty. Same, same right back at you. Love being on your show. All right, Jim McBride of the Boston Globe with us tonight on the bench.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.